uh, sorry, the Gospel of Matthew, verse, uh, chapter 11, verse 7. As John's disciples were leaving, Jesus began to speak to the crowd about John. What did you go out into the wilderness to see? A reed swayed by the wind? If not, what did you go out to see? A man dressed in fine clothes? No. Those who wear fine clothes are in king's palaces. Then what did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I tell you, and more than a prophet. This is the one about whom it is written. I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way before you. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. A little context for what's going on if you're unfamiliar with the scriptures. A few weeks back uh, during Advent, we talked a bit about Zechariah, who is John the Baptist's father. Zechariah gets this vision of who his son is going to be, and his son is going to be the opening band for Jesus. He's like going to warm everybody up. He's going to prepare the way is the language. So there's these references back to this prophet Isaiah who, um, who foresees this in some way. And we talked a bit about how it's so important sometimes to get a heads up that something amazing is going to come. Like we, I struggled always with John the Baptist's mission in the Bible because you'd think, again, if you're even remotely familiar with the, with the Christian story, you know that Christmas is about the God of the universe, spirituality, the divine, what's out there and beyond our five senses in it. The coming and showing up in flesh and blood. Coming for us, drawing near to us. A God, not that you have to do a bunch of things to appease. Not that you have to fill out this form and make a, and, and a God who is making a list and checking it twice. But a God who actually comes to us. A God that throws a fist at karma. And says, no, 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 not really what goes around comes around. Actually, you're not going to get what you deserve. You're going to get unmerited favor. You're going to get grace and love. And so he shows us too. He, he removes in so many ways the mystery of even what God is like. What's God ultimately like? Christmas, Jesus answers this question. What is he like? Well, he shows us not just in the things he says, not just in laying down his life for us on the cross, not just in the resurrection where he is inaugurating a new kingdom where he is making all things new that we're a part of now, but even in the way that he comes vulnerable and not through power over, but saying, I'm gonna give you a choice. He comes to us vulnerable, laying before us the opportunity to love. And so at this time where these Jewish people, this tribe who is meant to be a blessing to the whole world, are worried about their future, there's this massive cultural tribal anxiety that has built up. And you have um, the God in his, in his divine providence or whatever was happening in the cosmos, God goes, I, I probably, I need, to, I need to prepare them for what's about to come. Because God doesn't want us to miss it. God doesn't want us to, to, to miss what's coming. I can think of so many times in my life where I have missed out on the good thing. Because I wasn't looking and I wasn't watching and I wasn't waiting and I wasn't expectant and I didn't believe and I didn't have faith that that good thing could come. 
and this is true in a cosmic, divine, big, epic, sovereign sense. And so John the Baptist was a heads up to this group of people, don't miss it. A prophet, Jesus calls him in that passage, more than a prophet. Jesus says some very flattering things about John. Like there's nobody on this planet like John. He's the real deal. Now, anyone know any background on John? We know from scripture that John was a very attractive man, very well-groomed in the finest of clothes and said really pleasing things like the best is yet to come. No, right? Some of you are like, oh, that's cool. Sounds good. Those of you new to the Bible, that was a lie. Welcome to Sanctuary Church. John uh, the Baptist, uh, we get all sorts of great images of locusts and, you know, uh, like in his, like, we were, I always have this vision of just bugs in his hair. I don't know why, just like there's bugs everywhere. Like a haggard guy who doesn't have a lot of really pleasant things to say. A little bit of context, and we'll come back to this in a moment. In the 15th year of the reign of Tiberius Caesar, we're getting a little historical background from Luke in Luke 3. When Pontius Pilate was governor over Judea during the priesthood of Annas and Sapphires, the word of God came to John, the son of Zechariah, in the wilderness. So he's in the wilderness. He's outside the city. He's not in like, like lower Manhattan or down city Providence. Like he's not. <laughs> like I just did that. He's not in the epicenter of cultural renewal and power in the world, like downtown Providence. He went into all the country around Jordan, preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. As it is written in the book of the words of Isaiah, the prophet, so we're getting a setup who this guy is. He's a voice of one calling in the wilderness. Prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight paths for him. Like get the people ready. Every valley will be filled. Every mountain and high hill made low. The crooked road shall become straight. The rough way is smooth. And all people will see God's salvation. He's trying and trying to help set up a scenario where people can what? See God's salvation. Then the crowds start coming. So what we, what we can kind of assume from the text is there's some people who are out there where he's going, and he's going clearly to the poor and the oppressed, the, the ones especially out of the loop of power, and he's going to them, and he's saying, get ready. Redemption's coming. Reconciliation's coming. Get ready. The revolution that we hope for is coming. Remember, in the cultural consciousness of these Jewish people is this expectation that the Messiah is going to come and make everything new. And so they're ready, and he's like, it's coming, it's coming. Like, it's coming, it's time, it's coming. And so he's going around, preparing the way, letting people know. And then all of a sudden, it's like some folks who, like, he never, like, intended, it sounds like, to come out there or never talked to who come out from Jerusalem because they hear that something awesome or weird or strange or worthy is happening. Sort of like a cool, like, art thing, like, like gallery or cool little, like, hole-in-the-wall restaurant or coffee shop opens up in an area where no one's ever wanted to live. And then it's like, 
white hipsters. You can like smell them coming. And then they begin to, sorry, I didn't mean to get all that. Right? This is like what happens though in a city, right? You're like, there's something cool over there. Let's go. Let's go out into the wilderness of wherever that is. Cranston. There's something, nothing ever good has come from Cranston. But kidding. <laughs> kidding. If you live in Patuxent Village, you're safe. Bye. Kidding. John goes out into the wilderness, and now crowds start to follow him out there. And so John said to these crowds, there's crowds, like a lot of people are coming out to see them. And his response is, this is so awesome that you guys woke up and that you guys want to get ready too and that you've heard about the things that I'm preaching. I'm preaching repentance, like, like turn away from whatever you're doing so that you can be ready to be open to the good thing that God has for you and what he's about to bring in. Repentance is a gift, right? God's kindness leads us to repent, which is to like return, to turn around and to, to, to go in the right direction, to face God, to have our minds returned, restored back to who we are called to be. So, so, so John must be so excited about these crowds who are coming and hearing about this. He's not. Here's the opening line. Thanks for coming. No, you brood of vipers, which is a solid line. Like we can give John some, some credit for that one. You brood of vipers. I, I meant to have a little more time to just like show a picture of a brood of vipers because I, I still haven't Googled it. I don't actually know if someone could Google that and send that to me. I'm gonna get like 16 broods of vipers pictures. I don't know what a brood of vipers is, but it doesn't sound good. Who warns you to flee from the coming wrath? Remember, when God comes in all of his goodness, it's going to be love and joy for those prepared and ready to receive. And it's going to feel like wrath for everybody else. Here, an example. If you have like strong racist tendencies, and then all of a sudden you die and you find yourself, or, or the renewal of all things comes, and you find yourself the, the, around the table which is the image we get in Revelation of heaven, of every tribe, tongue, and nation. And you're sitting at the table with every tribe, tongue, and nation. Or you got like hatred in your heart for your enemies and you're sitting next to like that president that you hate. Who happened to respond to the grace of God too. I don't know, that wasn't like pointed, I'm just saying like, yeah. And you're all around the table and then is that going to feel like love and life and heaven to you? Or is that going to feel like death and wrath? Wrath in, in scripture is that giving over. So when he says, who, told, who warned you to escape the coming wrath? Like God's going to, you're the ones who have been out of line and out of whack in the deepest way. Who told you to come? who warns you to flee from the coming wrath. He is not concerned with relevance. He is not concerned right now with coddling them. He is not concerned with making sure, let me come alongside you. He's like, you should know, but who told you? What are you doing out here? If you're struggling with this a little in your heart, that's okay, I do too. Where's the grace, John? Give them a chance. They came out. 
He goes, produce, so we can assume some things about this crowd that's coming out here. These are religious leaders. These are the religious elite. And he says, produce fruit in keeping with repentance. What you say is not lining up with who you, what you do. Do not begin to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. In other words, do not rest on your pedigree. You say, I mean, we could translate this like, or, or, or push this forward to say like, well, I, I was a Christian. I invited Jesus into my blood pumping muscle when I was 10. Like, I'm all good. Like, don't, don't. I mean, it's not quite the same. But don't, don't. You can't rest on your pedigree. You can't just rest on some things that you believe about the world. The fruit of your life are not lining up. And Jesus says, if you really love me and this is real, you're gonna do what I say or begin to press into that and wrestle with that. For I tell you, out of these stones, God can raise up children to Abraham. Like, you're not special. That's John's way of saying, like, you're not a big deal. (laughs) I should write a translation. The axe is already at the root of the trees, and every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. Wake up! You are not aligned with the things of God. So what should we do then, the crowd asks. John answered. Now he has compassion on them. All right, let's start here. Anyone who has two shirts should share with the one who has none. And anyone who has food should do the same. Seems a bit anticlimactic, no? But this was like, look, be be holy. This is John's way of just saying, be be holy. You you, you say you're a son of Abraham. Well, then then you're blessed to be a blessing to the world. What's with all the stockpiling of resources? What's with the putting your trust in these things? There are people that are hurting. Remember, he's out now in the villages, so the elite have come out to the villages. Whoa, what? Give up your shirt, buddy. That would be a good place to start, bringing your mind into a line with the things of God. Like, who are you becoming? Can you say that line back with me? Who are you becoming? Or let's do it this way. Who am I becoming? Who am I becoming? John is very interested in something lining up with who we say that we are and what we actually do. And so he keeps going at them. Anyone who has food should do the same. Even tax collectors came to be baptized. You've heard us talk a lot about the context of tax collectors. Tax collectors, not good people for the most part. Teacher, they asked, what should we do? His response, don't collect any more than you are required to, he told them. Then some soldiers asked him, and what should we do? He replied, don't extort money and don't accuse people falsely. Be content with your pay. So there's some things going on. And he go, John just leans in as a prophet, as a more than a prophet. He goes, get yourself together. Stop extorting, stop mistreating. Because I want you to see God's salvation. We talk a lot about like managing our sin and being holy and becoming the people we are created to be in response to God has so loved us, how could we not love others? Which is good and biblical and true. 
But I find it interesting to take another tact. Like, don't miss out on the life and love and joy and goodness that God has for you by miring it and messing it with your sin. Like, don't miss out. Don't miss out. Like you're, you're, you're distracted. You're not leaning into the generosity of the Lord. You're gonna miss the joy. Over Christmas, um, the morning after Christmas, I, uh, I was on breakfast duty. And so I kind of went all out. I like really love to cook. And so I, I did an omelet bar. And I like did, the, I tried to do the whole thing. And I have like great respect. Those of you who travel, you ever been like a hotel where there's a guy or the woman doing the omelet bar? And they're like, somehow able to get omelets out like super quick. Yeah, I was like the slowest omelet bar of all time. But I did the whole, like I put all the ingredients out and you get a little bowl and you put the things, you know, you get to choose what you want in it and then you bring it up to me who's like trying to like manage three pans at the same time. So I had Harper, I said, hey daddy, noticing how frantic his father was, can I help you? Harper is my five-year-old. Harper comes up. I go, sure, do you want to? She's like, can I be a, a, a co-chef? Yeah, co-chef. What do you want to do? I'm like, most of the stuff's prepared. Well, I can bring the food out to people and ask them what they need. Love it. And so this goes on for longer than it should. I have like 30-minute omelet bar to get to the family. But as she's going out and she's bringing the omelets out, and what else do you need? And daddy, this person needs juice. So I put like juice and water on the floor so she could like reach them and pour glasses for everybody. And she's like loving it, loving it, loving it, loving it. Anyway, we're all done. And I go, wasn't that so fun? And she's like on cloud nine. Like she's just so happy, so filled with glee, partially because, um, you know, May gave her a dollar as a tip. <laughs> she's like, whoa, this is gonna work out. So I take a moment um, and I just, I, I, we were just, as we were heading, like I had my, my food and she had hers and we're about to go sit down and join everybody. And I stopped her for a minute as we we're about to go into the dining room. And I just said, hey, Harper, you know how Jesus, and she's familiar with this verse. I said, you know how Jesus says, it's even better to give than it is to get. Five-year-old translation. It's even better. And she goes, and I go, don't you, doesn't it feel so good? And she goes, well, it's also really good to get presents. Can I still get presents? John, John doesn't want these people to miss it. God, in all his, his, his grace and love for us, we could do a little tour de force through scripture. And look at these places where God's love for us, when he comes railing at our sin and our indifference and our issues, it is because he loves us and wants us to flourish. If you're stingy and in the corner and yelling and Harper just demanding that daddy brings the omelets out, it's not just that she's ticking me off and then I, as the God character in that situation, get really mad at her and then put her in time out. I think that's people's view of God. It's like, you, you, you could be experiencing so much joy if you got in the game. Like, there's so much fun and life for you right now. Like, get off it. 
Like, get off your butt and come and help and watch your heart change. Because there's a way to live and then there's a way to die. Because there's a way of life and beauty and generosity. And it feels a little hard at first to sometimes like regroove that. But I'm telling you, not looking at porn all the time is a better way to live. I'm, I'm, I'm telling you, being generous with your resources is a better way to live. Opening your home is, is a better way to live. It can be hard. But this is what it is to join God in the things of the kingdom. We could go down the list there. John is inviting them to a sort of holiness here. Get ready. I don't want you to miss it. And here's the thing on the other side of this is John is attractional. Like John, John full of, in, of integrity and full of life and love, calling people not to miss it. People are drawn to him. These crowds knew what they were getting into. They had heard these stories of what John was doing. And so they came out to see him. When you see somebody, even in a situation like John, where he's just calling people out, there was something that you're drawn to. There was a radicality in his life. And so as we head into the new year together as a church, I just kept thinking, what a great invitation for us to take seriously what's happening in our heart, not just for the, for the one, for the sake of like just leaning into the life of heaven and the life of the ages now and a good time to be reminded that God wants to, to, <laughs> wants to restore and transform, but also on the other side, there is an opportunity for us to bear witness to the goodness of the kingdom of God here and now. And there is an attractional reality to being a radical, holy follower of Jesus. People are coming out to see him. Do you have anybody in your life who you need to, you, you feel compelled to go and to see? Because being around them just makes you better. Like in your life, is there anything that people would fly across the country to go and just hang out with you? I know no one likes to think that highly of themselves. But is there some place in your life where, where the crowds are gonna come out to see this area of just holiness and flourishing that's happening in your heart? I have a friend who, who's, <laughs> who does this foster work that is um, like work with foster care families and she's fostered like six billion kids, I think at this point. She's not run some big organization. She has no blog. She has no grand Instagram presence. This isn't like a thing. And it just spreads like wildfire through that community. And the amount of people who go out of their way, could I just come over and talk? Could I come over and process this? Could I come over and make sense of what's happening here? There is a, there is a holiness and a radicality in her life that causes people to come and move toward her. This, uh, this, Christmas, this uh, New Year's, uh, myself and, and uh, Greg and Adam are going down to New York City uh, to do this all-night prayer thing with somebody that has become sort of a, a, a mentor of sorts to me. 
So like four blocks from, from Times Square, they're doing an all-night prayer gathering to kind of usher in the new year, praying for revival. And I, I'm going there, yeah, because I think it'd be good for my soul, because I believe in, in, in prayer. And partly, I want to go in and just be in the airspace of my friend John, because when it comes to prayer, and when it comes to discipline, there is a, there is a radicality to his life that I want to go and, and, and be with and be near, because it inspires me, and it moves me, and it challenges me, and it encourages me. So even as we talk, uh, again, on the one hand of, of what is the invitation for us in the new year of the ways that we need to let go of this sin to step into the life of the ages that God's called us to, to the way of Jesus. There, there is also then an invitation as we seek holiness that the Lord, our God, would call out of us like a greater radicality, a, a radical way of walking with him. What areas of your life. It's not going to be every area of your life, but that you, people look at you and go, that's peculiar and that's strange. I, I bring that up and these two in tandem because I think what they do is they help us kind of navigate who we want to become. Like, who are we becoming? Is this going to be just another year? There's something about going, yeah, is there any area in my life Whereas somebody who says, I'm a follower of Jesus and a part of the movement of God, putting things back together and joining God in the renewal of all things, and it shows up, I can tell, really strongly in this area. Because there's sin that we're just struggling with that we need God to root out. But then there's just apathy and laziness and despondency and self-care and self-love till we're dead. And I love self-care and self-love. I've needed some this holidays too. But when that becomes the driving factor, we lose sight of the kingdom of God, which is laying down your life. And so I think both of these, um, I don't know what you want to call them, angles on this story. I hope as we close our service today and as we come to the communion table, I hope that what, these, what it does is helps like shine a light in dark corners and it helps like stir some things up in your mind a, a bit to go, well, what are the things that I'm being invited to invite Jesus into? There's this, there's this sin I am, I am, I am hampered by. I, I am, I'm chained by. I lack integrity. Think of your life as like a, as a chain. That chain's integrity that chain's integrity, that chain's strength is only as good as the weakest link. So where is that weak link of hypocrisy or that weak link of, well, I'm a follower of Jesus, but I just not, just not in that department. This isn't an invitation to be perfect. This is an invitation to want the life of the ages. This is an invitation to want what we as followers of Jesus believe, and you may not, and that's okay, but we believe it's the greatest possible way to live. Like there's literally no better way when Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, this is in part what he's saying. Like, this is what it means to be awake and alive and full of beauty and wonder and gratitude and joy and have mission in your life that transcends everything else is good. It's good. It's the best. And so that stirs, I know in me, both these angles on the storage on the Baptist, they both stir in me both a 
Am I the crowd coming in and, and I'm confronted with John and he's going, do you really want to see what's coming? Don't miss the joy that's coming. Get this in order and be diligent about bringing that before the Lord. So I see myself in the crowd hearing John and on this side of Jesus, right? Hearing this Holy Spirit of God going, get, get that in order. There's more for you. Don't miss God's salvation. Don't miss it. And then I see myself in the John the Baptist shoes. And I go, what are there, what are there people? Are there people who are coming out? Like, like they're noticing like the radical mission in my life. When I first moved to, to, to South Providence with a couple of friends, the amount of questions that came in of like, why are you moving to that neighborhood? And why are you giving your time and energy to do that? You really should be advancing this part of your career. The question marks that flew in, in that moment. Why are you spending so much time with those people? The amount of times I've been told, and this isn't like a pat on the back. I just wanted to let you know, like I'm practicing or trying what I'm preaching. The amount of times I've been rebuked by people, even by some mentors of mine of like, Andrew, you're spending too much time with the folks that are at the bottom of the bottom in your church and they're sucking all your energy out. Not knowing this is a discipline in my life to make sure that the folks that are most struggling in my community, I need to make sure I carve out time that I'm walking with them, that I'm going to prison and visiting them, that I'm spending time and walking alongside them through the muck and the mire. And many of you can attest to these same stories. I could go down the list of times of going, this is what I've been invited to, to do and to be about. And the place where the crowds would come out and be drawn, not to me, but to the way of Jesus on display in my life. And both just, both stir something in me. Do you get this? Like both cause me to go, okay, crowd. Whew, there's some integrity issues here. There is a weak link in this chain. And then, and then there's, oh, I need to pour some more gas on this flame because I can see God's glory shining through this part of my life. And God is inviting me to go further with it. Is there an area in your life that you'd imagine someone fly across the country to come and just see? Because it's so John the Baptist attractional. It's so John the Baptist relevant. It's so Jesus. And so we let both of these things provoke us to resolve, to say, because of the grace of God, I am going to go further than I have ever gone. Because I am loved right where I am at. I have been forgiven of my sin. And those chains can be, in this case, broken but that link that broken link or that weak link can be secured because of what he has done on the cross for us our God is faithful not just to comfort but to convict our God is faithful not just to bring peace but to stir up a little trouble like good trouble in your heart. All right. Like a new year. Let's do this. What is the thing or the things? And allow those to seep into your heart. 
allow God to speak, to continue maybe speaking from what he began this morning as we are singing. Do whatever you want to do and say whatever you want to say. He is faithful to carry you to the end. I want to invite the, the, uh, the servers up and let's pray together. Lord Jesus, I get a little bit off track every time it looks like I'm going to just tank this thing called life <laughs> you are faithful to guide and comfort and encourage and stir in me Lord the joy of your salvation I thank you Lord that you don't want me to miss it to miss the life and light and love that you have I thank you we thank you I know so many of my friends sitting here could get up here and give this message better than I could of just giving a testimony to how you have been faithful to show up, like pull their eyes open to, I don't know, whatever metaphor you want to use, like, like click the lights on. Don't miss it. And then so many of my friends in this room who I go to see, who I love to stop by their house and be in their airspace, to get, a, to get a view of what they're doing and how they are being just faithful to God. God, I pray for my brothers and sisters who are being invited this year to pour some gas on the flame, to take what is maybe just a, a little spark and to fan it into a bonfire. Who you are inviting to be set apart as leaders in this movement of, that is the kingdom of God. And so as we come to the table, the table that you've prepared for us, uh, the bread of forgiveness and the wine of relief, the meal that reminds us, Lord, that you have forgiven us of our sins, that you've broken your body open, Lord, and you shed your blood for us weary sinners that we might step into the life of the ages that we might break ourselves open and pour ourselves out Lord for the healing of our world so I pray that my, my friends uh, this morning would experience healing even as they place that piece of bread into that cup and onto their tongue that that visceral physical reminder would not be empty tradition and religion but it would stir something like as they taste the, the, the wine, as they taste the bread, they'd be reminded of just the power that it is to walk faithfully with the God of love who goes before them, who is faithful to the end. In Christ's name, everybody said, amen. Man, I hope you don't feel beat down. I hope you feel lifted. And I hope in these last few moments as we sing and eat and close together, you would know that surely love, mercy, peace, and kindness go with you as you seek to allow God to heal the things that need to be healed if you're in the crowd and to give you everything you need as you become the prophet, 
like John the Baptist that God's invited you to as you lean into your call. So if you're here, you're not a follower of Jesus, you should totally become one. He's completely worth following. And if you need, like, if you have questions about that in a serious way, something's happening in your heart that doesn't make maybe a lot of sense in your head right now, there's some folks over here who'd love to talk to you. I'd love to talk to you after the service, Pastor Sarah, others. But come forward and just take this moment now, maybe to be prayed for. Anyone else who just needs to come forward and be prayed for, come. More prayer people will just magically show up if more folks come up for it. We'd love to just maybe just need a prayer, a blessing going into this new year. How many of you just need a blessing going into the new year? you and as we come we take the bread and we take the cup as followers of Jesus may we be reminded of his forgiveness and love for us